Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. DNVR Rockies podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons. And joining me all the way down in Albuquerque, it's the one, the only Susie Hunter. What's going on, Susie? Fun week here in Albuquerque. Well, I've been here for a couple of days. But yeah, this park is gorgeous. I highly recommend anyone who is a Rockies fan or a baseball fan, come on down here. It is. No, it's definitely beautiful. We'll, we'll talk about the game today in the series that the Rockies almost ended up winning. Could have been their first against an NL West opponent this entire season. Doesn't go down like that. Plenty of silver linings to discuss. We'll have some fun later in the show as well. But you're down there in Albuquerque. Get an eye on, on some of the young prospects, some of the other players on the 40-man roster. We know Julio Carreras just got promoted to AAA. Cole Tucker, no longer in AAA. He's with the Rockies. We got to see him a little bit today. Got plunked in his first plate appearance. How rude. But you've got something a little bit better to discuss, don't you? Yeah, um, it looks like Ryan Fellner could be making a rehab start down here in Albuquerque tomorrow, uh, but he's definitely already down here in town. So that's great news and also just a great sign that he is doing well and making that trek towards coming back to a major league mound. Yeah, that that's just so wonderful to think that maybe this is it. Like maybe just this one more rehab start in Albuquerque. Maybe he gets one more, but still with like three and a half weeks left. That that looks really strong for him to be able to make a start back on the big stage. I mean, he's already kind of overcome so much. Yeah, it'll be interesting to to tune into uh, the next show that that you do. You'll have obviously caught up with Ryan Feltner. Hopefully, he's still putting the inserts that uh, Evo Shield makes in his cap, not necessarily just for his own protection, uh, but again for the advancement of the sport of protection. I mean, remember we lived in a world in which hitters didn't even use a batting helmet. So now for pitchers to have some kind of insert in there and Feltner potentially leading that way and doing it in the majors, man, it, it could do wonders for safety in the sport. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And uh, I mean, that's such an unusual, but very horrible thing that happened to him. So it would be, uh, you know, it, it could really, it could save the life of a pitcher who hasn't even, hasn't even thrown a ball yet. It, it's huge for the future. Yeah, big, huge for youth sports, too. Obviously, that would be wonderful. You know, and speaking of returns, of course, uh, Justin Lawrence pitched a scoreless seventh inning, had a little bit of traffic, but nevertheless, ah, it's a good time and a good moment for him to be able to reset uh, in what was ultimately a 12-5 loss for the Rockies against the Diamondbacks. But I know everybody down there in Albuquerque rooting for Justin Lawrence. Great guy, great pitcher, great teammate, kind of, uh, kind of allowing himself to, to reset just a little bit with today's uh, really positive and scoreless performance. I was going to say, him going out there and throwing a scoreless appearance, that is huge for him. And, uh, I mean, I, we don't like to make this about us, of course, but, you know, I wonder if him just getting all, all of his emotions off of his chest the other day when we talked to him after that really tough game that he had, um, uh, you have to hope that something like that is freeing, just getting that weight off of you. Um, but the thing that's like so great about the isotopes here, like that game is on the scoreboard out there. They will play the day games on the scoreboard while everyone else is, you know, doing their warm ups, stretches, whatever they're up to. Uh, but I think that's really cool. These guys are obviously so supportive of one another and their teammates who have moved on to the majors like Justin Lawrence. How this is obviously our first time talking. Were you surprised, shocked, disappointed? I'm sure maybe at least one of those three, if not all three, uh, about the news that Coco Montes was designated for assignment. Uh, that, of course, to make room for Cole Tucker uh, in his call up. Yeah, you know what? Um, definitely 
a head scratcher for sure. We talked about this earlier today on my show, but I, um, it, it's weird because Cole Tucker has kind of been in a slump here in Albuquerque, even though he was pretty good in the, you know, couple of games that he played in Colorado earlier. Um, but yeah, Coco Montez, uh, DFA'd, uh, it's so strange. I mean, you have to imagine he'll clear waivers and still stay with the organization, but there's a chance he doesn't. And, uh, you know, that just says a lot about what the Rockies think about his future as a Rocky. I really do hope he sticks around, though, because he's definitely a fan favorite here in Albuquerque. But super surprised that they called up someone who was not on the 40-man anymore. He used to be on the 40-man. It's just it's a lot of really strange transactions the past couple of weeks. He's been the position player version of Ty Block, where, you know, has his contract selected, designated for assignment, and then he's back on. So, you know, good for Cole Tucker. For Coco Montez, I, I, I think there's a chance another team might, you know, scoop him up pretty, pretty much because I think he does have a lot to offer that uh, another team. Rockies have kind of, as you said, to your point, they've had a lot of guys that they've DFA'd that have been able to stick around in the organization. That obviously is, is good for the Rockies, maybe not always great for the player, but it will be interesting to see what happens with that. As far as uh, Cole Tucker's concerned, you know, we saw him uh, play today, did get hit by a pitch, uh, which was unfortunate. Nick Mears uh, gave up a solo home run today. Both those guys back uh, with the Rockies. We've been doing these uh, hypotheticals a lot over the last month or so uh, to really find like purpose on, and focus for the final month. I'm curious of what your thoughts are um, for Nick Mears and Cole Tucker. Do you see either of those guys making maybe a larger impact than another next season? Are they going to kind of just be on the, the outside looking in important role off the bench or uh, maybe as one of the first guys out of the bullpen? Will either one may basically be more valuable to the Rockies next season, perhaps? That's a really good question. I mean, I feel like those arms are so valuable because we've seen so many pitcher injuries. Um, and yeah, Nick Mears has, you know, been up and down. He's made a bunch of appearances. Um, and then, you know, on the other hand, we've got Cole Tucker, who this is his second stint up with the Rockies. They're kind of like, I feel like they're two sides of the same coin. Like they are the pitcher and uh, batter version of each other. Yeah, very, very true on that front. So while you're down there in Albuquerque, one of your many assignments is to make sure you do get helmet nachos and you cannot take it the helmet home unless you actually finish the nachos. It can even be in more than one sitting, but those are the rules. If you want to start rocking that isotopes helmet, those are the rules. You know what? I've never, I've never met a nacho that I didn't finish. So That's true. I this. you're going to be okay. Yeah. That'll be good to either have on set or just for you to wear one day like an old school, like the Warren Schaefer model. That's basically what it is, right? The helmets that the first and third base coaches wear, no ear flaps. You just put it on. And then if you get hungry, yeah, you can put a couple tortilla chips in there with cheese, do all that stuff. Uh, I have faith that you'll be able to polish that off. Thank you. Thank you so much, Patrick. I appreciate this, um, uh, this vote of confidence. Go ahead and plug away for so folks know uh, the next time they can see you uh, talking about the Rockies, talking about the ice stoves, doing what you do best. Yeah, Friday at 5 o'clock, we're going to have some more Isotopes content. I just recorded a hilarious interview with Willie McIver down here. He is uninhibited. He, that guy is a riot. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you guys. Uh, but that'll be a Giants pregame show, 5 o'clock Mountain Time, on the DNVR Sports YouTube channel. Now, does McIver still have a bit of a beard, or is it is he clean-shaven? Um, uh, a little. That's middle. a really good question. It's the, we were talking about his beard hair. That's for sure. We're talking about his Megan Rapinoe haircut. Very nice. Yes. Well, you'll have to tune in on Friday, DNVR sports channel live on YouTube, because you can go ahead and see who Willie McIver looks the most like, because there's somebody right now on the Rockies 28 man roster that people say, Hey, he resembles blank a lot. And you, you can kind of be the judge for that uh, on Friday. Susie, thanks for, uh, for jumping in. Appreciate you. Make sure you're still using sunscreen. You're even closer to the sun than you are in Denver down in Albuquerque. So close to the sun, but have a good show, guys. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Susie. Yeah, man, you can go ahead and uh, make sure you're wearing sunscreen no matter where you're at. Uh, new to the state, like we're closer to the sun. You're still going to get burnt even on like a, a cool morning like today. The sun is plenty powerful. And if we're talking about power, we're talking, of course, about Bet365. 
They allow you to turn $1 into $200 in bonus bets when you join Bets365. You download the app, deposit $10, and claim your $200 in bonus bets as soon as you place a bet for $1. Download the Bet365 app and use code DNVR365 when you sign up. They've pioneered live in-game betting. They're a proud partner of the Colorado Rockies, and you're going to have a lot of fun in any event that you're watching. It allows you a little bit more stake in the game, and what's better than stake and what's better than the Bet365 baseball early payout offer? Look, you're a winner if your team goes up by five runs or more. So if you happen to have the Diamondbacks in today's game, they were up by seven runs. You didn't have to worry about the bullpen giving back any of that lead or having a catastrophic meltdown. You already won. Parlay and same-game parlay selections will be marked as winners. So download the app and use promo code DNVR365 when you sign up. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER and get yourself over to volosport.com. Sign up for a league. There's so many wonderful sports you can play or even just games too, right? Not all sports are games. Not all games are sports. Kickball, soccer, volleyball, cornhole, bocce, bowling. Competitive to just, hey, I want to hang out with my friends or even make new friends, especially if you're new to the area. Go get yourself signed up. They've got unlimited pickups. They've got drop-in passes that you can get from volosport.com. And the cool thing is the Volo Kids Foundation allows for you to go ahead and play, and then that means kids get to play absolutely for free. It's a 501c3. That's absolutely wonderful. And they've got leagues all throughout the city, Lodo, Rhino, Uptown, DU, Inglewood, Arvada, you name it. Head over to volosport.com. You are almost, you have now almost become the Ken Jennings of the show. The Kenneth Jennings. Like, when will this guy not be on the show? So far, I've got to go ahead and predict it's going to be every day now. You know, I, I wish the, uh, the, the prize money was a little bit better, um, <laughs> Ken Jennings style. But as long as I'm not the Ken Giles of this show, where I get fired for flipping off my boss in public, I'm, mm. I'm all right with that. Not great. Not great. Rockies fall to eight and or nine and 28 against the NL West. That is still, I believe the worst winning percentage they've ever had playing against the NL West in their history. But the first 30 minutes of Wednesday's game was pretty awesome. Rockies got four runs early on RBI single by Brennan Rogers, Nolan Jones, stand up two run triple, and then an RBI single for Hunter Jones, who just can't stop hitting his eighth RBI in nine games. Dude smashes. I mean, honestly, if this game was only two and a half innings long, it would have been perfect because, uh, you know, yeah, after two and a half innings, the Rockies had five runs and six hits. And after two and a half innings, the Diamondbacks had 11 runs and the Rockies had no hits. So really good first third more so. But yeah, I mean, it was a hot start and they just got demolished in those that second third of the game. The pitch clock is supposed to make the games quicker. So like, why isn't the game over after two and a half innings? Like, what, what are we doing here? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, this game was three hours and one minute long. What is this, 2022? We can't have this. We can't have this. It's got to be better. Chris Flexen was fine. Gave up a run in the first, but then in the third, the floodgates opened up. He gave up five runs, blows the 4-1 lead, uh, as we just uh -huh. talked with Susie. The silver lining for today was probably Justin Lawrence in the seventh, uh, and you know, and the return for Nick Mears and... Cole Tucker there uh, getting an opportunity today. So positive momentum, at least it's, it's small, but you'll take it for Justin Lawrence. That's one of the beautiful things about baseball. It's every single day. So now the last memory that Justin Lawrence has on a field, it was of success. That allows you to reset. Yeah. When we talked about Lawrence yesterday and kind of backing him off that closers role a little bit, I think it was uh, five out of his last eight save opportunities he blew. Give him a low leverage situation. Give yeah. him a chance to just breathe and just go out and pitch. And that's kind of what today was. Um, and Mears looked good uh, in, in his outing. Um, so there were some positives on the bullpen side, which has taken a beating uh, recently. Tucker, yeah, got an opportunity. It's kind of funny because it feels like he got put in the mix of a bit of a beanball war brewing towards the end there. A as little he bit. Yeah, he took one, took one right in the cheeks there. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's... You know, it's it, it. There's a few good takeaways on the bullpen side, but overall, I mean, like the flexing start is kind of what stands out to me. He's just kind of feeling like it's it's not it. You know, aside from one start against the White Sox, there hasn't been a whole lot of really competitive outings um, from Flexen. I think this was another good indication of it. 
not necessarily having a future um, in the in the rotation in 2024. Yeah, and you compare that with what Kyle Freeland did on Tuesday night where he didn't have his best stuff, walked three guys, which he had walked three total hitters his last five combined starts, only struck out two, but is able to get through six innings, I think he threw exactly 90 pitches, gave up six hits, but only gave up two runs. Not a ton of support, but got those three runs, three runs, came away with a 3-2 win. Uh, and that was, I think, really important. Are you concerned, or how much are you concerned, about his overall loss in velocity this season? I wrote about it a little bit over on the dnvr.com. Also, anytime we get new articles coming up, in the podcast description, you can look. We've got links there for you to go ahead and click on. It came back a little bit against Atlanta. I think he was feeling the juices there in that game. Mm-hmm. So definitely you know, upticked in a big way. His fastest pitch of the night, fastest uh, four-seamer, was... Uh, his last one, I think it might've been like the 87th pitch to Corbin Carroll last night. So he has the ability to reach back and get it, but still that was only 91.2 miles an hour. How concerned should, uh, should anybody be about that loss in below? You know, it, I think there's a justification for it because with the losses of Marquez, Sensatella, Feltner, really just the, the, the amount of injuries that the rotation has suffered this year, you lean more on him and Gomber, honestly, um, to carry more of a burden and, and give some relief to the bullpen. So there's a bit of a tax that probably comes into it. But on the other side of the spectrum, Kyle Freeland is not a pitcher that has a lot of margin for error. So we're not talking about a guy dipping from 97 down to 94. We're talking about the difference from consistently being able to reach to 92, 93, and now living mostly sub 90. And that that's a tough way to get batters out. You can't get away with the mistakes the, the lower the velocity is. So uh, you can't say you're not concerned, but you can also easily find, you know make steps to think that the velocity will come back next year too. You can chalk it up to that. I, that's, that's at least what I'm going to allow as well, that, that idea that yeah. they've needed to lean on him to just post, just go out there and pitch. I think that's probably been the case with for, for Austin Gomer's last couple starts with the back soreness. And it's like, eh, you kind of have to deal with that. That's part of the grind. It's part of the dog days of, of summer when you play 162 game schedule. And so, you know, would Freeland did make a, you know, a, a had a little appearance on, on the IL there right around the all-star break with the injury in San Francisco. But other than that, they really kind of needed him to go back out there and, and get things right now at this point, you might as well just keep throwing him out there uh, at it with a chance to possibly win. He has his second win Tuesday night in his last four starts. And again, how many other options are there? As we just heard from Susie, Ryan Feltner, you know, will pro- possibly come back. Uh, we'll see about Austin Gomer. So still there's, there's some starts to go around. You might want to just keep him out there and then just hope that uh, with a nice off season, he can rest. And then the fastball, you know, does come back. I, I think that's a very plausible, very reasonable takeaway from from what we've seen from him this season yeah and again that's just it's not a big leap to say the velocity will come back when he gets a little bit of rest and i think the the stat that really proves the point right now is the rockies have two pitchers that not even have reached 100 innings but have reached 85 or more 80 if we want to really narrow it down 83 or more and that's gomber and freeland and they're in the strat their own stratosphere of 146 and two-thirds for freeland and 139 for gomber so it's i mean that's the workload those are the two guys that are giving any semblance of rest for the bullpen aside from maybe you get a flexin or you know lambert of late has been um doing the job but sometimes it'd be a chase anderson here or there a flexin here or there you know that hasn't been dependable. Gomber and Freeland have. And Freeland's workload is just, you know, it's taking its toll a little bit. So I think if you're looking for the silver lining, if you're looking for the glass half full, he gets to rest finally here soon. And to underline your point, also with 80 innings, Jake Bird, like he's had the fifth mm-hmm. most <laughs> amount of innings. Third most uh, tied for third with Peter Lambert is Connor Siebold. And you go, oh gosh, I haven't seen this guy in like a month. And then after that, mm-hmm. Justin Lawrence, Brent Suter, and you got to go down to eighth to get to find Chase Anderson, to find another starter. So, yeah, you're right. The rotation's been you know besieged by injury, so you just kind of have to go out there and post. We did see on Tuesday night, though, a new order for the back of the bullpen, and it ended mm-hmm. up working out pretty nice, and I think this is probably how you're going to have to keep it for the next week or two. Again, 
depending on if you even have the opportunities for a save, right? If you're just trying to hang around in these games, guys just need their work. But you had it lined up with Freeland the first six on Tuesday night. And then in the seventh, Matt Cook in the eighth, Jake Bird in the ninth, Tyler Kinley. Yeah, those are probably your top three guys right now. Yeah, and I'm a little astonished, um, and I, I'm I'm happy that it has worked out this way, but Kinley felt like a really big question mark, and everything has kind of gone according to plan with him coming back, and sure. that's that's really big um, for this organization because they kind of really bought in with Kinley last year with that extension, even with the injury, and so um, we talked about you know the candidates for Justin Lawrence, and Daniel Bard has always been the natural assumption, but Tyler Kinley was being viewed that way before he went down with that flexor tear, so him getting the ninth inning nod, I don't mind, and uh, you know honestly this wouldn't surprise me if we walk into next year saying sometimes it's Bard, sometimes it's Lawrence, sometimes it's Kinley. And that is essentially a three man closer by committee with two of them being the setup guys. And, you know, maybe they'll keep Suter in the fold as well, but Kinley being able to join the conversation of the late inning options with Bard and Lawrence has, has worked. And so, you know, that, that was kind of a good recent example here. So Kenneth, you play baseball and, uh, your Sunday generous, men's league, but... you, you, attempt yeah. to, you attempt to, yeah. And we're, we're going to try to make you look good here. No. And, and so, so how often in your baseball bag do you either lose your glasses or break your glasses? You know, they can never go in the bag because that's exactly what's going to happen. Now, how many, and we know my graveyard of broken sunglasses, that's a real thing, but I learned my lesson a long time ago. Sure. Well, the nice thing with Shady Rays is if you happen to forget, because again, you're trying to pack up, there's another team trying to get on the field, whatever it is, or you're just again. You don't have to live your life around your glasses to protect them and say, oh my gosh, I can't break these at all. Fear not with Shady Rays because they've got a lost and broken replacement policy that allows you to get a new pair if you lose or break them. In fact, you're going to start off with two pairs to begin with because you use code DNVR, you buy one, you get one free. It's amazing. Go down to the Park Meadows Mall if you want to try them on, if you need something tangible at first. Uh, and uh, you use code DNVR, let them know. Two or more pairs of polarized shades, you get 50% off those bad boys. It's absolutely fantastic for all times of the year. We know that. And if you've been hurt or injured at work, our friends over at Bacchus and Shanker are going to help. Their phone number is easy. It's 222-2222. Pick up the phone. Call right now. In fact, stop listening to this, this podcast. Stop listening to this live show if you're even thinking you have a case because they're going to consult with you absolutely for free. They're there to listen to you. In fact, they're there to even work on your case for free. If you've got something, you don't have to pay a single dime. You can go to coloradolaw.net for more information, but it's easier to just give them a call, 222-2222. Find out whether it's rideshare, pedestrian accident, car accident, motorcycle, something at work. Give them a call. You could stop off at any of their neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. It's fantastic. 222-2222 because Bacchus and Shanker wins. Kenneth, we were just talking yesterday about stolen bases, 10 stolen bases for a rookie. We had Doyle and Nolan Jones. And then Ezekiel Tovar steals second, steals third. That actually ends up allowing them to score a run on an overthrow by Gabby Moreno. And then he joins Bretton Doyle and Nolan Jones to give the Rockies a trio of rookies with 10 stolen bases. Again, we, we were just shocked at how small the list was to begin with. There were six. Mm -hmm. And so they've increased it by 50%. They had six going into this year. Three more now are on that list. Yeah. And, That's and weird. hey, it, it's, it's a new era of baseball with stolen bases. You look at Acuna's numbers right now. And so um, the funniest part about all of it is they have skyrocketed to the top of the Rockies stolen base just in general. And it's all the rookies doing the work right now. So, yeah. you know, I wouldn't be terribly surprised. If we kind of approach that same territory next year, what if you get a Zach Veen, maybe a Benny Montgomery and a Jordan Beck show up all next year? Maybe you're getting a, a couple of double digit bags from a few guys next year, too. So uh, I think it's a real it's a real good taste uh, for, you know, what some of these young guys are capable of. And they're showing it right now. I don't know if their strategy is exactly this, but it does make me think, hey, the young guys. You steal all our bases. If you're a little bit older, don't even worry about it. Rockies yeah. total are still, you know, second to last. Uh, in, in all of MLB, only the Giants have less stolen bases, but the young guys are doing it. So I had to look it up, Kenneth. Since 1993, how many teams have had a trio of rookies with 10 or more stolen bases? Rockies are only the fourth team to ever do it. I just picked a number in my head. Four was it. Yeah. I, I picked a number in my head because this was definitely a Patrickism coming my way. But four sounds right. Yeah. Who, who are the stats. other three? 
That's it. <laughs> Look, we've got PS2. I guess I'm PS1. I, I'm I'm calling you. You're the OPS, the original Patty Stats, man. I I, I am. I'm the yes. Thank you. I'll take that. So the Reds have done it this year. De La Cruz, Spencer Steer, Matt McClain, the 2021 mm-hmm. Rangers. I think you had Adolis Garcia, Leody Tavares, uh, Yanni Hernandez, and then the 93 Expos. I'm not going to remember those off the top of my head. Wilfredo, Cordero, was Mike Madison. And no, not him. A I forget for who the one was. Um, so here's okay. what was interesting. So then I went back to the expansion era, 1961. Only two more teams could be added to that list where they had three rookies with 10 or more stolen bases. Um and then I went back to that original list and I noticed that a lot of these teams with the stolen bases could be coincidental. A lot of them lost a hundred games. A lot of them, oh. if they hadn't lost a hundred, they had lost like 90 some. Then I went back to 1901 and the 1901 Milwaukee Brewers of the American League had, I think they were the American Association actually at the time, had six rookies with 10 stolen bases. They only played a 137 game schedule, but if they had played 162, they would have lost 100 games. So the team with the record for most rookies with 10 or more stolen bases, 1901 Milwaukee Brewers, was a 100-loss team. So there is something in the water with this. I was Yeah, I was going to say, you said it might be coincidental. No, it's not. Uh, all of these teams <laughs> seem to keep on having double-digit stolen base rookies and not good at winning games. Uh, so there seems, yeah. Hey, you know what? If you're down most of the time, why not start taking some chances to see what can happen? Because you're not going to play it safe when you're down by six. You might as well kind of, you know, push the pedal down a little bit. So I think you're on to something, Patrick. I think you were on to something and you saw it through as far as you could, honestly, if you're going 1901. I think but, I'm on something. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, that's uh, Hunt, Hunter Goodman Tuesday night would have loved to see his first home run be a grand slam. Yeah. Uh, did you notice that Tori Lovello had a kind of a quick hook with Brandon Fott last night? I think he was mm-hmm. out after the third inning talking with the dudes over at PHNX Diamondbacks. Sort of seemed like Tori was was managing the game like it was a playoff game, which for them it really is. They're like, hey, we we need to possibly win this game, and they certainly could have. They were only lost three two, but we need to really go for the sweep. They take two out of three, but it did seem like this was one that, hey, we we gotta win this game against the Rockies. We can't afford to give up even one to them. Yeah, and if we want to go a little bit further on Brandon Fott, he hasn't entirely, you know, earned the benefit of the doubt. He's had some good outings, sure. but this is somebody that they have, you know, inked in for the long term, but he's still learning. So, you know what? He's given this a chance to win. Let's not let it get away from us or from him and, you know, wreck his confidence. So um, we talked about it yesterday, though, when, you know, with the remaining schedule for the Rockies, a lot of teams are still playing meaningful games. And these are yeah. playoff, you know, uh playoff caliber games that they they circle on their calendar that this is one they should win and when you go with arizona they have chicago coming up right next if you're rolling into a series against the cubs who just waxed the giants and really put a dent in their playoff hopes you want to be feeling good about it so hey you know i i totally get the strategy on that and i just would like to see it in colorado in the next couple of years cubs d-backs aka the mark gray series there's a free one there for you on immaculate grid it's a lot of people are going to have more oh, for that one, but still yeah. put it on there. I like it. Charlie Black on appreciation. Uh, he didn't get the start today. So the only guy over 30 in the lineup today was uh, Austin wins. So they, they definitely went with the youth movement there. Brian McMahon. Hey, we'll, we'll count him because he's, uh, he's, he's youthful. He's under 30, uh, but Charlie like Blackman. Yeah. Uh, he reached base in Tuesday night's game. 19 consecutive games uh-huh. to uh, since since the IL, since coming off the IL, which was great. I think it's still the second longest active streak in the majors. He's tied for the fourth best on base percentage in the majors since August 14th. He's probably coming back next season, right? And will he also be the leadoff hitter again next year as well? Uh, I am definitely buying more stock into the former than the latter. Um, I think... I think Charlie Blackman, first of all, he has had a pretty good year for, you know, uh, what expectations were for Charlie Blackman. The way that this contract is finishing up, there is still a very talented and professional hitter um, that has put up a very respectable OPS in in season. Um, We talked about the stolen bases. We talked about the speed and the potential that that creates to generate runs. You put that at the top of the lineup. Charlie Blackman doesn't fit into that category anymore. So maybe he is, you know somebody that's that's anchoring the bottom third of the lineup in a perfect world, but you let a 
Nolan Jones and Ezekiel Tovar, a Brendan Rogers kind of anchor that top third of the lineup in my opinion. But yeah, it's certainly feeling like he might be back. It's feeling a lot, a lot more likely that he'll be around next year. His RBI sack fly on Tuesday night after a Brenton Doyle triple gave him 745 career RBI, tying him for six most in franchise history with Vinny Castilla. I think he's now four shy of tying cargo for fifth most. If he never plays for another team, He's got to have his number 19 retired, right? It really feels like it. I, they are they are very picky about number of retirements. You you would have thought that Helton or Walker would have happened very quickly, but they really like to drag their feet on those type of things. So, um, you know, you're talking to me. I think that the number five should be dual retired right now for Holiday sure. and Cargo. So 19, you know, a lot of people talk about the, the the all-time list and all-time outfielders in particular, because there's some great ones. Charlie Blackman had one of the best peaks of any Colorado Rockies hitter that, you know, at least is tenured and also has a little bit of accumulation to his stats too. It really feels like that's a number that should be retired in my opinion. So there's, there's too many good things and too many um, statistical categories on the leaderboard that he's at the top of feels like 19 should be there. And he doesn't have the knock that cargo might have to Mr. Momford, who ultimately is the decision maker for that, uh, in that, you know, he started his career with Oakland and uh, was with the Diamondbacks even uh, before that in their system. So, all right, he's not a, he doesn't have a hundred percent Rockies blood in him in, in that way, obviously finished up in 2019 with the, with the Cubs and, and, and Cleveland, but I mean, he's Mr. Rocky 2.0. It's a slam dunk. Got to retire number 19 there. Um, that makes a ton of sense as does game time tickets, because they always have the best deals. You use code DNVR, you get $20 off those tickets. Uh, our guy, Jason, who's uh, from Chicago there, works in uh, sales and, uh, and advertising. I mean, he just got tickets, I think, for free because the tickets for Cubs Rockies on Monday were like $9 a piece. So go ahead, use that right there or, or upgrade, get something maybe more expensive like an $11 seat uh, for you and a friend. Uh, and again, you get $20 right off the top of your first purchase. Otherwise, tickets get close to like 60% off face value. Uh, and it's just a wonderful deal. It's a site that I've used for over a decade. My first show at Red Rocks, I actually uh, couldn't pass up a deal on game time because the weather was a little bit questionable. I said, sign me up. I just want to go down there. I just want to be there. You can always get a, a rain ticket, especially for a sporting event. That's another one that, that I did once several years ago where it was a pirate series, Pirates Rockies on like a Tuesday no one wanted to go. I bought a, a seat really cheap. Then it got rained out, and then I was able to use that for a Rockies-Mets series when I went to the uh, the box office. It was great. It was a little bait-and-switch situation there. Uh, I think I got a little bit lucky, but you're, you're always going to get lucky, basically, is what I'm trying to say when it comes to game time tickets. So use that code DNVR. You'll thank me when you do. All right, we've got the watch party on Saturday. People are uh, kind of getting hyped up for it, Kenneth. I know you'll be there. Uh, we got the takeover next Saturday, September 16th. A lot of stuff going on uh, with the Giants. Let's go ahead and uh, talk about a couple of things that were trending on Twitter. We're still going to call it Twitter last night. And let's see if we can figure out why and, and if it's like puzzling to you. And again, I think the algorithm is set up where things trend for different people depending on where they're at. And so they know I'm a baseball guy. So Michael Soroka was trending, not for the fact that he goes by Michael now. Did you get the memo? When you went from Mike I, to Michael? I did not. You know, unless it's a, a too drastic of a change from Mike to Giancarlo, it doesn't really catch my radar, no. Have you read my notes? We're going to be talking about him in a second. No, so <laughs> he uh, got lifted from the game. He missed the last two seasons, unfortunately. Had some numbness mm -hmm. in his finger, so you hope he's okay. Trey Turner was, uh, was trending just a little bit. He was, of course, added to the paternity list, uh, so mm -hmm. he'll be out for a few days. You may or may not uh, have gone back into your calendar and noticed that it was exactly nine months ago that he signed his 11-year, $300 million deal <laughs> with the Phillies. Nine months later, you're going to be a dad. Yeah. How those things work, hey, right? Sometimes some things are worth celebrating. Carlos Zambrano is trending. That oh. one had me a little worried. Right, yes, that one had me worried. No, I'm no. going to have a guess. He just had a, he just had a first, just about the first pitch at Wrigley, uh, which was great. He's saying, uh, take me out to the ball game as well. Did you know that? And uh, Mac Wilcox, another great writer from Purple Row. Uh, My boy. One of the recent games there. Uh, he was there. We were, we were hanging out. He was a little bit blown away, but loved the fact that, I think he knew this though. Did you know there's like m multiple 
uh, lyrics and there's there's multiple verses to take me out to the ball game? I do. Um, and I want to say there was a copyright issue that came into it. And there's the official MLB. Re- it's like it's the happy birthday of a sports song where it's copywritten. And so you just ended up having to go with one single version. And that's what gets played. Yeah, it's a whole story about a, a woman who likes to go to baseball games and she's she's with someone and she says, well, you know what? Here's if you want to get in my good graces. You know what you could do? Take me. I say we don't want to get any trademark <laughs> issues on that. Uh, Dave Roberts trending, of course, for his comments on Julio Arias, uh, as well as Clayton Kershaw. He's another one of those guys where fastball, not very fast, 89.9 miles an hour. Roberts did say he's going to keep going until he can't. And yep. that's kind of the way it needs to be right now for the Dodgers who are, uh, they're hurting for starting pitching a little bit. They are, but um, you know, Clayton Kershaw has a whole other arsenal. He's had, you know, just an absolute knee buckler for, of a curveball um, that's overshadowed it, his slider, which has always been his most dominant pitch. It might be a tick down in velocity, but you trust Clayton Kershaw. And then when it comes to the Dodgers in need, Hey, heading into this season, this was a different looking Dodgers team. This wasn't as star studded um, or as deep as some other LA teams in the past. They're still winning. They're still doing just fine. Don't get me wrong. But now it shows there's a little bit more leaning on those established stars that they do have. And Kershaw is the latest example. Paul Skeens trending not to make his debut. Uh, he went on the development list. I've never heard of this before. It's one of those like behind the scenes things that, no one necessarily knows or cares about. Basically, they just shut him down for the season. First overall pick out of LSU for the Pirates. I'm curious your thoughts. Do you think he makes the opening day roster for the Pirates? Or, I didn't think so either. Uh, I should get no. Uh, or does he end up making 20 or more starts with the Pirates next season? Yes. So I see just so much overlap between Steven Strasburg and Paul Skeens and Ooh, how it's all being handled. Um, and I think that he's going to start the beginning of the year in double A because I, there's just not an accumulation in the in his draft year. So, you know, a lot of people can throw their hands up and say service time manipulation. But the fact that he hasn't really done anything other than a handful of low A starts or high A starts, I believe is where he started, um, is not enough for in most people's opinions. So you let him go to double A if he's still an absolute missile down there and shows that that's not any competition for him well maybe the pirates have a little bit more in henry davis o'neill cruz comes back um quinn priester takes a step up you know maybe this is a decent team that could use a little bit of help and oh by the way you might have one of the 10 best pitchers in baseball right now being you know washing away double a he comes up and then he's a stalwart in the top third of the rotation for the last three quarters of the year i totally see that playing out it's a good one, too, with Mitch Keller. Pirates right now, 10 games under 500, but still, they were hanging in, hanging in there early, and so that's kind of one of those trajectories. You say, all right, they made some momentum this season for sure, and so you can keep that going with a, a guy like Skeens there. Uh, ab- absolutely. Jose Altuve, homered in his first three plate appearances on Tuesday night. In fact, mm-hmm. first three innings. Uh, shocked that it's happened three other times. Manny Machado, Mike Cameron, and Carl Reynolds in 1930. Never heard of him. Yes. Oh. I don't know all 23,000 players uh, who have played, but Carl Reynolds did it. Uh, also homered in four consecutive plate appearances. Homered in his last at-bat on Labor Day. First time that's ever happened. And I believe five homers in seven at-bats. And he's doing it against the Rangers. Jose Altuve, he's something. I, here's a good one for you, too, if you haven't seen this. On Monday and Tuesday, Altuve homered four times in the span of four innings played by his team. Uh, he's the only other, or there's only one other MLB player to ever do that. You know who Stan, it was? Stan Musial. I have no idea. Bobby Lowe on May 30th, 1894. I feel like that's a name I've seen before on like obscure lists. And you go, mm-hmm. that name seems like it should be familiar. Like it definitely sounds like he either was a pitcher with the Rangers in the 1980s, or he's just related to Brandon Lowe. And you're like, oh, another one of those relatives yeah. uh, that the plays great, for the Tampa Bay Rays. He might be famous for having one of the first dozen photographs ever taken just from, you know, the picture in this tweet right now. So it's pretty old timey for sure. It's a cage. It's a it's a cave sketching more than anything. <laughs> All right, you're gonna do well at this. This is a game for those listening at home. Again, if you're listening to this as a podcast, please uh, give us a review there. We we love that. Even if you're short on words, that's that's fine. 
let us know with five stars or less if you if you think we could uh, do better on that or if you're watching uh, live on DNVR Sports Channel on YouTube. Have some fun with that. Uh, we'll see how you do with this, Kenneth. Is this real? New little game here. Is this real? Some Rockies, some in the world of baseball. Nolan Jones received a letter from a fan, an adult fan, and so not a kid, about his mechanics, and he actually hung it up in his locker. Is, is this real? Uh, I, I'm going to say it's false. Uh, it's, it's real. Yeah, he, oh. he did put it up, I think, more uh, like as a joke. Um, so mm. think Manny Randall wrote about it last week, and he had it up for like a month or two. And I remember walking by and, and thinking like, oh, all right, like this looks real. This looks like real like advice, but I don't know why he's hanging it up. He's also doing great right now. Like he was doing really well. Then the letter appeared and he continued to do well. And I thought, and I asked him about it and sure enough, he's like, nah, a fan just got all this critique about, you know, what I should be doing. And so it's just a fun little reminder that uh, a lot of people think they know what they're doing out there, but man, hardest thing to do hit a, uh, hit a round ball with a round bat and do it squarely. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, all those, uh, those hitting coaches out there looking for work, you know, sometimes they just <laughs> got to network a little bit. Uh, I, I thought you were trying to get me a little bit with some of the specifics on there. Not, not a kid. And he hung it in his locker, you know? So I'm just, I was trying to, I was thinking you we were going to try to catch me off guard there and, and say it's false because, but no, it's, it's pretty funny. And Hey, Baseball players are superstitious, so if Nolan Jones goes out there and rakes after he gets the letter, the letter stays until he doesn't. I totally get that. I'm going to have to check in and say, do you read it every day? As a joke, but do you read it every day? It's like, actually, you know what? <laughs> that is now my superstition. So right now, number two here, is this real? Number two, baseball will not be played in the Summer Olympics in Los Angeles in 2028. Is that real? Yeah or no? Uh, I'm going to say false. I'm going to say that they're going to go amateur on it. Uh, it, it is, it is true. Uh, it and currently right now, well. not, not going to be a part of that Olympics, but we will find out on Friday. They do make a decision uh, about LA 28 that they're branding the Los mm -hmm. Angeles Olympics. It's going to be here in like no time. I mean, we, I think we've got the world cup in 2026 coming to North America. Like mm -hmm. it still blows my mind. So right now, no baseball or softball. They're going to decide, decide that on Friday. What's interesting is that we only had five consecutive Olympics that included baseball and softball. So 92 through 2008, it was gone for two Olympics in a row. We got it back in 2020 and it's out for Paris in 2024. It's so weird. strange, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it, the Olympic committee in, in as a whole is a big old weirdo. Um, so I <laughs> never am able to make heads or tails of, of decisions with that. Um, but the whole thing in my mind of the WBC, it got started be as a response to the Olympics getting rid of baseball. Sure. So um, you got to pick one and they put all their eggs in the WBC basket. So I think that's, that's going to be the avenue that they decide to go. And Hey, if the Olympics want to get baseball involved in it too, great. So that you're not going to be seeing the stars. Those are going to be uh, dedicated specifically for the WBC. Yep. Yep. Flag football might get added. S seriously. Like flag football might get added. <laughs> yes, Alyssa. <laughs> I heard that laugh over there. Now, oh, more, more serious sports, you go lacrosse, you go, mm, seems like a very North American game, but still, I mean, the game is in North America. You know, the games are in LA. So mm -hmm. that does, that does kind of make sense. Cricket, motorsports. Going the X Games route, that's kind of interesting. But again, nice. trying to Americanize these Olympics. Um, yeah. In terms of in terms of baseball, one gold, two bronze, one silver, and a fourth place finish for U.S. Cuba has the most gold medals with three and five total medals. So U.S. Olympics wise has not always been the best when it comes to baseball. No, but there's also the Junior Olympics, the you know, the 18 U's, and there is still USA Baseball as a developmental platform for amateur players, and sure. that's still a big deal. So I would be a little bit more interested to see, um, you know, the World Cup, the World Cup of Baseball, whatever they call the events now for the, that USA Baseball amateur circuit, what the medal spread looks like for that. Because, the, you know, hey, again, you've never gotten a Mike Trout to actually be in the Olympics, and you, I don't think you ever will. But Cuba is a whole different story on who they're sending to those games. So, you know, context. Yeah. 18 and under championship actually is going on right now in, uh, in Taiwan. And, uh, and a guy from right here in Colorado is actually calling those games as he does in the World Baseball Classic, Tyler Mon. So uh, it's kind of neat. Yeah. I see Tyler all the time.
Yeah, got a Colorado connection there with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenneth, there is this real? There's a 17 year old that could impact the playoffs this year. That's real. I, I I'm gonna say no. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to do here. So maybe I gotta go a different avenue. Yes, debate hey, me. I, I am seeing a 17-year-old going full, uh, what was it, Danny Almonte, and reaching over the fence and being able to snag that ball. So you don't know this for sure, Patrick, all right? You fan, just this... don't. Fan interference is a real thing. <laughs> all right, all so this is more of a wait and see. So, yeah, a, a, <laughs> an 8-year-old could impact. But I'm thinking, like, hold on, is there some credence to this? Uh, Ethan Salas is kind of the 17-year-old I'm referring to. He mm. is in double-A right now, catching prospect with the Padres, but he's with the Padres. So he, and he's not hitting right now. So no, he will not be impacting the playoffs, but there's a 19 year old very much could. And that of course is Jackson holiday. He did get promoted to triple a just this week and Baltimore is in the hunt. Now he wasn't on the 40 man roster before September 1st, but if someone does get hurt on the Orioles roster, you could see the son of Matt holiday impacting October baseball for Baltimore that's going to give Rockies fans a little, little bit of uh, uh, as juice for the postseason for the first time in well five years. Oh, absolutely! I mean, so first of all, the name Holiday carries a lot of weight in Colorado yeah. still, um, and Jackson has been bonkers this year, and he, so he's elevated through four levels of the minor leagues. It's not just uh, a bit of a you know. PR move of promoting Jackson holiday. This is an incredible farm system. Still it's been depleted because of how much has advanced to the major league side, but Jackson holiday is showing that he might be in the same conversation with Adley Rushman as the best player in the organization. And that's a really, really high bar because Rushman came up and was immediately one of the top two catchers in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, if you lose a Gunnar Henderson, it, it, it feels like it has to be a bit of a perfect storm is the only thing sure. um, for, for holiday. But we talked about Paul Skeens and the potential to be on the opening day roster next year. Well, you know what? The number one pick the year before that kind of feels like a bit of a shoe in to be on the opening day roster next year with the way that he's performed this year, maybe even sooner. So it's a really cool story because this was a guy that was also supposed to be borderline end of the first round, supplemental second round kind of thing. And then he had his senior year in high school and just completely destroyed the competition and rose all the way up to 1-1. And he's showing why you don't see that very often. So he's a stud, man. Some of our uh, wonderful fans in the diehards only discord. Again, get yourself signed up to the DNVR.com access to all kinds of stuff. 50% off food and drink at the bar, 20% of DNVR locker, but we've got a diehards only discord where we're hanging out, shooting the, you know what? And uh, with, with the news on Jackson Hall, I think somebody jumped in there and said something along the lines of, you know, Ethan Salas uh, won't be draft eligible until 2025. So it's really 2024 that 100 mm-hmm. losses might serve the Rockies a little bit better if they can get that first overall pick. So uh, that's a good one. Uh, in our chat right now, Kenneth, this is a great question from uh, Tiago. Speaking of Rockies postseason, when does the drought end? We're at five years right now. 2024, I don't think so. 2025 is the earliest if everything goes great, uh, if they can catch some lightning in a bottle, there are three wildcard teams, but I'm, I'm more inclined to think it could be more like 26, 27. I think it's, it, it gets to the point where it's hard to predict what will, what the future will hold um, that far out. I think 2024 is completely unrealistic. 2025 would have to be them being the Orioles last year or the, the Diamondbacks this year. Um, you need Dollander, Hughes, Rock. You need like three pitchers coming from there to combine with Sensatella, Freeland, and maybe Marquez. Maybe Marquez has a bridge deal on his back in 2025 or extends beyond that. But you need those guys and all the prospects to really start panning out and become established contributors. We won't start knowing the answer to that question really until, for most of them, other, other than like Tobar and Jones, until probably about 2025. So that's that's where the rationale comes from it. If I pick a number, I'll go glass half full and say 26. I like that. That's good. All right. Is this real? The COVID-19, and actually we're going to go We're going to go to producer, uh, super producer Alyssa. Alyssa, I'm going to ask you. Major League Baseball, the COVID-19 injured list still exists. Yes or no? Yes. Kenneth? Yes. It does. Yeah. The Reds yeah. had like three guys go on it. It's like, what? It's still a thing? 
I mean, you go, you could go on the IL for being ill and for being sick and you know, you, you have COVID, but like it's a specific IL that still exists and it makes sense. But just seeing that come through the, the wire, you're just like, Oh, we're still doing that. Yeah. I guess we're still doing it. Nothing wrong with it, but just a little surprising. Right. I think it's uh, it's been coming up in reality for a lot of people in a lot of different forms, and now seeing it in professional sports again is a little jarring. Um, but uh, hey, again, as you mentioned, you take a step back and you think about it, you're like, okay, well, there's different protocols for this, and obviously the pandemic was a giant shock to the reality for everybody. So yeah, what's the harm in keeping it around in case something like this comes around again? Not to say that we're in the sure. pandemic again right now, but hey. Doesn't hurt to have those plans in place. At least baseball has that, right? Yep. All right. So uh, we reference Giancarlo Stanton, who I believe on his, uh, I noticed yesterday on his baseball reference page, it does say played uh, 2011, 2012 as Michael Stanton or as Mike Stanton. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that was interesting. That's an interesting little note, special one there. So he, uh, he reaches 400 home runs faster than anyone in the history of baseball. And yet no one thinks he's a Hall of Famer. Is this a thing? Uh, I wouldn't <laughs> say no one. I think I think Jean Collar right now is in the territory of nobody would consider him a first ballot Hall of Famer. He seems like a deep ballot guy, and maybe there's just an underappreciation. And then also, he's part of a Yankees team that hasn't really won what they're supposed to. And he was supposed to be a prominent figure, and they paid quite a bit for him to be that guy. And so I think there's a little bit of uh, foul taste in some people's mouths, and that makes them diminish his accomplishments. Hits four thousand. Uh, hits his 400th home run. in his 4,000. Oh, definitely now. Now, probably first ballot. I'm feeling know. better about it. I'm feeling better about that. I'm What's, coming around. But he, but he's a D. He's mostly a DH though. So, mm. like 92. percent He'll get 92 yeah. percent with the 4,000 home runs. Um, yeah, he's uh, pretty close to that line. Yeah. 33 years old, 400th home run in his 1,520th career game. Three players have done it actually quicker: McGuire, Babe Ruth, Alex Rodriguez. But again, you go. Giancarlo Stan, it's 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 weird for a player to almost go to New York and then be in obscurity. Like I it sort of feels like that because he's been hurt so much. Here's the thing: in two of his last four full seasons, we won't count 2020, which also really means we're talking about in the last five seasons. He has it over 30 homers in his two of his last five, but it's not it's not that great, right? To, to only do it twice. None 40 or more. He's got 21 this year, so he might not even reach 30 again. <laughs> He's he's resting on his laurels uh, of his early career, so to speak. You know, does have an MVP, but mm-hmm. he's got a he's bona fide MVP. Go. He's got a way to go. So the whole problem with a lot of people's um, impression of Giancarlo Stanton is he's not Aaron Judge, and so mm-hmm. okay, he is overshadowed by a guy who set the single season American League home run record, and he was expected to be that guy for them. Um, again, I just, I think that it distorts the perception of Stanton for a lot of people that he's not the best player in the biggest media market. Um, and that's what he was built up to, to be. So I think it's going to be one of those things where you look back on the, on the career and injuries have played a factor because you might look at it and say, okay, he finishes with say 495 something. Um, and, uh, but could he have been, could he have been more? Could he have been a 600 home run guy kind of thing? And so, yeah, you know, it, it it's unfortunate when some injuries play a factor into the career. But in the moment, a lot of people just see him as not Aaron Judge instead of Giancarlo Stanton, the slugger that he is. If we were doing this podcast 10, 15 years ago, we could somewhat definitively say that every player who's hit 500 home runs has gotten in on their first ballot. I don't 100% know that to be true, but it it should be because 500 used to be that much more special. It's essentially like what 700 is now at this point. Mm-hmm. So Killebrew, all those guys, I, I think, did get in on their first ballot. Uh, and now we've got you know Sammy Sosa, Palmero, McGuire, Barry Bonds. Uh, might yeah. even be missing one in there. A-Rod, he, he's already been mm-hmm. on a ballot, not in. So it doesn't mean the same thing as it used to. And so this is still kind of part of an ongoing saga that we could probably dig into more in the off season, but just with all of the guys from the PED era, how they were blocking the ballot from other guys, you know, getting uh, notoriety and like Fred McGriff having to go in on a veterans ballot because he didn't juice. So his numbers, you know, he didn't reach 500 home runs. So he kind of suffered because of that. There could be the next generation of guys like a Stanton who 
hits 500 on the up and up and you go, yeah, well, there's other guys who've hit 500. Like that's not as impressive as it used to be. And he did it so early on in his career after that one MVP season. What did he do with the Yankees? Oh, they missed the postseason a couple times. Maybe Brian Cashman ended up losing his job. This is a guy who's been there forever. And you go, eh, you know what? His resume is not as great as those 500 home runs would have you believe when bottom line is if he gets the 500 home runs, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that um, there it should work both ways where, okay, if you're going to punish the people during the steroid era, then you give more credence to the people who did it after the era, after the game was cleaned up, yeah. quote unquote. Um, if he So if he retired in two years, Let's say he's around 450, 460, but the Yankees have two World Series in his time there. Ooh. He's a slam dunk. He's a slam dunk, right? It, it Again, it just distorts the perception where some, uh, and opinion matters for a lot of Hall of Fame ballots, and I think people have very strong, a lot of writers have very strong opinions about the Yankees or very lineaged East Coast teams. He's not an all-time Yankee, and he was built up to be. But if they have two World Series on the back of Judge and Stanton, he's an all-time Yankee. You know, I think I think that's a big line for people and for voters. So it's a good career. It's a good career that people don't give enough credit to. But there's just a kind of a never met expectations that comes with Stanton too that I think really factors into it. I think if if that were to happen, say four sixty-five wins, two World Series goes out on top. I think he still could be a second ballot Hall of Famer. I think he could get in on the second ballot similar to I think Mike Messina was a was a second year guy. I don't know that he got okay. on the first, but he went out on top, right? Um yeah. with, with a really solid season. So that will be interesting. Um and again, once you're in the Hall of Fame, no one remember no Larry Walker was on his 10th ballot. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Dude's a Hall of Famer. Like, let's celebrate the guy. So it's kind of just one of those interesting, like little talking points and stuff. But uh we'll have to create some more of those scenarios for the offseason talking about the Hall of Fame. We'll have plenty more to do with that because uh, it's Todd Helton. Could be his year. Finished only 11 votes shy of going to Cooperstown. So if he has a good offseason, I, I, I think uh, we're all going to be celebrating uh, next July. July 23rd, hey. in fact, in my birthday uh, in Cooperstown. Hey. That'll be fun. Oh, that would be the best birthday gift of all time. It should be his year. It really should be. I mean, with, with, the, um, with the way his stock has risen over the past couple of years, and Walker getting in, you know, however much or little credence you want to give it does break some barriers for a Rockies hitter coming into the Hall of Fame. Man, it's got to be Hilton's year. It really just feels and for for everything that has gone on over the past couple of years for the Rockies and probably still some rough tides ahead. Hilton getting into the Hall of Fame really is a, a sorely needed lifeline, I feel like, and that uh, a lot of people would appreciate. Yeah, it's huge. There's no representation right now. Again, there's not always going to be representation for a, a World Series contending team, but no one's in from 2007, so that definitely checks off that box. I do find it interesting. So again, another comment uh, here live before we get out of here. Stan is the 38th, according to Jaws. Uh, I imagine that's a that's a statistic that you like. It's a good way of uh, ranking Hall of Famers uh, created by Jay Jaffe. Stan, 38th greatest right fielder of all time. Uh, Aaron Judge 35th. So he Aaron Judge is actually ahead despite the fact that um, he doesn't even have 300 home runs yet. So he's been he's been doing it a little bit better. I'm sort of more inclined to to say Stanton is closer to being a Hall of Famer than Judge if they just ended right now. Um, yeah. Because Stanton had more years of of you know contribution a little bit. Uh, but give it a year, year and a half, and it's like a no brainer. It's just Aaron Judge because part of it, like you said, with Helton or rather with Charlie Blackman is compiling. You do need to compile numbers just a little bit. That's kind of what hurt Larry Walker. He was all rate stats and not enough, you know, compiling the counting numbers and that hurt him. So you have to have a good balance of all of it. Uh, and you know, Todd Helton, he's got that balance. I think it's going to be a good January for all of us. He does. And you know, we, we touched on it a little bit with the Stanton conversation, but Helton is somebody is a bit of a byproduct of injuries. There were some lost years there and he did finish strong in his career, but back. Yeah, if you you think he would have gone this long on the ballot if he still had if he didn't miss essentially three years, you know, accumulatively in that uh, second half of his career. So, um, yeah, I think Stanton is going to get blown away by Judge because Judge just needs a little bit more time. Uh, but 
Stanton is a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. I, I just, I genuinely do believe that. I think that he may not get kind of that first ballot recognition or anything along those lines, just because it's a changing of the times. And he was overshadowed by a lot of other players during his generation. But you're going to look at those stats and they're going to jump off the page as one of the more prolific power hitters of his time. And it's going to be hard to argue with that. I think that's the story of Giancarlo Stanton at the end of the day. He's not there yet for me, but I also haven't dug into the numbers as if I need to, because I don't just yet. He's got a way to go. Um, you're the OPS. You know path. it off the top of your head. You know <laughs> it. He's, he's on the path. Uh, Kenneth, you are on the path for getting another hole in that punch card of yours. I might even give you two when you come down to the bar on Saturday for our watch party at 6 p.m. Game starts at 7.05 against the Giants. We're going to have a, a ton of fun for that. Uh, follow him at KDub1988. I got that right, yes? You got it, man. Nailed You're it. always right, Patrick. You know us. Purple Row. Well, I looked up dubs, and I looked up 1989, and I confused myself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, go ahead, uh, at KDub1988 on the X machine. I think that's what we're calling Twitter. We're at DNVR underscore Rockies. At Patrick D. Lyons is where I can be found. It's been wonderful having you on there two days in a row, Kenneth. Momentous, dare I say, but uh, as we say in the industry, your momentum is only as good as your next show, so it will be a good one. Susie at 5 p.m. on Friday, right here on the DNVR Sports Channel, live on YouTube.